Dads don't tell you who you are. That's not the role of a father. My role as father to my daughter is not to tell her who she is and who she's going to be. It is to help her learn who she is and who she wants to be. What's up, monsters? Welcome back to the Wake the Monster podcast. I'm your host, TJ. Let's get into it. So today's conversation is going to be about parenting, specifically fathers, right? The role of a father in the household, the role of the, uh, the roles and responsibilities that a father has. And the reason this came up is because I was thinking about the, the way we refer to fathers when they deal with their kids, the way we refer to fathers when they interact with their children. And there's this one word that me and my wife talk about it and just, it, it just irks the hell out of us. And it's something that I wanted to bring up on, on the podcast. And that is fathers being referred to as babysitters. Right off the bat, like babysitters are temporary and get paid to deal with children. Fathers are supposed to be permanent, right? I mean, if you're actually spending time to sit down and watch this podcast on a regular basis, you probably have similar beliefs as me. And that is that fathers have a very important role in the development of children. So I have a few thoughts on it. And I was really trying to organize how I wanted to deliver this message today. So what I did was I went online and I just researched like fathers being called babysitters. And I got two articles, one on both sides of the opinion. So I'm gonna react to both of them and we're gonna get it rolling. So the first is going to be the, I guess it would be the affirmative. I don't know, I never took debate class. Uh, why fathers are babysitters. It's going to be the affirmative position of why fathers are babysitters. So I guess it would be the the opposite, right? Because I'm saying fathers are not babysitters. I think you all that are that are fathers, you take a very important role. You take very, uh, you take a very high level of pride in your role as a father, and I think it's probably discrediting to many of us to be referred to as a babysitter, right? So we're going to get into this article. This is on scarymommy.com. Now, to be honest, I, I just grabbed an article that disagreed with me, right? And so this article is from 2013, so it's almost 10 years old. But the concepts in there are still the concepts that I want to talk about. So she's arguing, her name is uh, Kesha Beckford, and she is arguing that fathers are babysitters. So let's get into it. I'm going to respond. She's actually got 10 reasons. So I'll respond point to point, And then we'll look at an article that says fathers are not babysitters. And I'll talk about there might be some things in there that I actually disagree with as well. All right, so here we go. This man is a father. This is the article. This man is a father, his children's legal guardian for flip's sake. All right, right off the bat, I don't give a damn about the legal position of being a father. That is 1000% irrelevant to me because when it comes to parenting and marriage and things like that, I, the, 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 the children, the raising of children, I don't think the government belongs in that regardless. You know, one of the, you think about like uh, marriage rights, marriage equality, things like that, homosexuals getting married, all those other types of orientations that go out and decide to get married. Doesn't bother me, right? It, it's not affecting my life. The only people that it's affecting are the people who are making policy around it. So if you just remove the people making policy, you just remove policy from marriage, then we don't have an issue, 
You know, uh, something Ron Paul talks about is that there is no such thing as hyphen rights, right? civil rights, uh, you know, immigrant rights, uh, women's rights, minority rights. There's no such thing as hyphen rights. There's just rights, just human rights. The only way it became hyphenated is because governments started segregating people, right? So the whole concept of the legal responsibility of a father, like, yeah, okay, obviously the there, there needs to be laws in place to protect people, so fine. But when it comes to the statement, like, this man is a father, his children's legal guardian, for flip's sake, that's not... That's not relevant to how we should be thinking of our children. We shouldn't be thinking of our children as, oh, you know, the cops are going to come and arrest me if I don't feed my kid today. So she goes on to say, he is not babysitting. She says, true that. But a lot of the time it feels like he may as well be. And then she says, here are 10 reasons why. All right, number one, she says, it's a business arrangement. You might not have to stick to some Jacksons. You might not have to stick some Jacksons in his waistband, but you'll pay whether it's a night out with the guys keeping your yap shut when he ignores the dirty dishes again, or some major bow check wow wow time you owe him for his services. All right, so number one, she's talking about just a terrible dude. Who, If this is the the experience that she has raising children's, children with somebody, she picked the wrong dude to have children with in the first place. He played her, all right? This is just a bad dude. Shouldn't be parenting kids because he hasn't learned how to be a grown-up himself. He hasn't learned how to handle his stuff in the first place. So what's he doing out here trying to raise kids when he's got a child mentality? You know what I mean? So she's talking about this is a business arrangement. Whether it's a night out with the guys. All right, so I have nights out with my, with my guy friends. One of our favorite things to do is on Saturdays, if there's a big UFC card, we'll all get together and we'll plan it a week ahead. And we'll say, hey, next Saturday night, we're going to go out. We're going to hit the UFC we're gonna, or we're going to go hit a restaurant. We're going to go watch the fights. I'm going to be back late. Is that okay with you? Right? And that's one of those things when you talk about a marriage, and we're going to get to where th- like that's actually an issue here in a little bit. But when we talk about a marriage or a partnership or relationship with somebody else that you're trying to raise children with, the idea of saying, hey, is that okay with you? People get upset because, oh, you got to ask for permission to go out. Well, no, I don't have to ask for permission to go out. But I do need to make sure that my plan is not going to interfere with something that my wife wants to do. It's not going to hinder my wife or it's not going to put my wife in a bad position in whatever she wants to do that day or whatever she needs to recover from doing that night. You know what I mean? So it's a partnership. Hey, this is my plan. Does it match with your plan? Are we good? If we're good, I'm going to go out with the boys. Vice versa, my wife is free to go out whenever she wants to. And she does the same thing. Hey, next Tuesday, me and the girls are going to go out for lunch. Kenzie has a day off from school. Is that okay with you? Yeah, it's fine with me. It's not, hey, you're babysitting. It's, hey, I'm going to be out of the house just letting you know. Do our schedules line up or do you have something at work or do you have something over that you have to do for, uh, you know, one of your other responsibilities? You know, it's just scheduling. It's not like, hey, it's your turn to babysit. That's That's not how parenting works. That's not a thing. Stop trying to make it a thing. Whether it's a night out with the guys, keeping your yap shut when he ignores the dirty dishes again. So that's like playful banter in our house. I'll leave a dish for like maybe 30 minutes. That's one of those things like in my house, when I cook, I like to eat warm food. So I'll cook dinner and then I'll eat it and then I'll do dishes. But women, my wife, and I'm assuming, like I think I've seen it a few other times, right? So my wife will cook, then clean, then eat. 
And I never understand that because the food's going to be cold by that point, right? But she'll cook, then clean, then eat because she needs it to be clean so that she can just relax and eat. You know what I mean? So the dirty dishes thing, that's that's playful. But if, if this dude is really just like making food and then throwing dishes all over the house, like again, she just picked the wrong dude. She picked a bad dude. Or some major bow chicka wow wow time, you owe him for his services. Not a thing. Don't make that a thing. Ladies, don't let that be a thing, all right? Bow chicka wow wow, sex is not owed in a relationship, all right? Sex is an aspect of the relationship. That's how you got the kids in the first place, you remember? Did you owe him sex when you decided to, to let him hit and let him and, and then get pregnant? Did you owe it to him that night? No, it's an enjoyable experience for two people, right? So the bow chicka wow wow time, like, do you feel like you need to put out because he babysat the kids? You're just in a bad relationship. That's what I'm reading out of this article already on our first point. Just in a bad relationship. If this is your, if this is, if I'm already describing how you feel at home, like you need to either look at yourself or look at your partner. You guys need to have a conversation and figure out, hey, where are we falling short? Because we need to succeed not just for ourselves, but for our kids too, right? You feel like you're overindulging given the pay arrangement outlined above. So given that you agree with point number one, which I do not, this is what she's saying. Given the payment arrangement outlined above, you've got to ask yourself, can I afford this? Can I afford to keep my mouth shut about the dishes? Can I afford to have sex with him so many times? Can I afford to let him go out on a night with the guys? First of all, I disagree with your first point, so I obviously disagree with your second point. It's not an afford thing. All right, number three. They are only fully employed when you aren't there or at or are on your deathbed literally on your deathbed. If you are home and not lying in bed with several broken bones and oozing sores, someone's going to ask you to do something. Yeah, so I deal with this in my house too, right? If my wife and me are home, it is more likely that my daughter will go to my wife to ask for the thing that she wants. Now, my wife is a student. She's going to school right now. I am the one working full-time to make sure that she can get her goals, that my daughter can get her goals, and somebody needs to be the breadwinner, right? And we have more of a traditional role in our household. So that one does happen in our house. She does go to her, and even when, hey, if my wife's having a day where she's not feeling well, my daughter won't catch on to that as easily, and she'll still go to my wife for, hey, can you open this, or hey, can I do this, or you know, something like that. That's because of the roles that we have in our household where 40 hours of the week, and this actually, I saw this in the, the next article, 40 hours of the week at a minimum, I'm not here to actually be the person that my daughter can go to. So it's just force of habit, right? Now, when I'm home and I see that happen and my wife does need that time to be alone or she's not feeling well or she needs to get homework done or she needs to get a drawing accomplished or something along those lines, then I have to get involved. I have to stand up and be involved and say, hey, Kent, you know, you can come to me for these things. You know mommy's busy. Come on, come to me. Let's take care of this thing, right? But again, this sounds like this article is coming from a household where the dude's not doing that. So do better, right? All right, number four, you leave a ton of instructions. You want to make their life easier by making sure they know the schedule, the rules, and things like so-and-so likes her hot dogs peeled and cut into half-inch thick semicircles. Again, this kind of goes along with point number three, where it's just a habit of the household that these things are happening. So if I'm the one that is currently out of the house for 40 plus hours a week, working, 
earning and making sure that we can have the things that we have within our household, then that leaves my wife's responsibilities to be the household and, you know, the other things that she has as far as school and, 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 her, and her, her other responsibilities. So if I take the, the role of being the breadwinner, for a lack of a better term, then she's going to take the role of basically manager, right? She's managing the house. So with that being said, she's in charge of the operations of home. So when I come home, I got to kind of fit into that role, right? I got to kind of fit in and say, hey, how do you do things? Because I don't want to rock the boat. Now, for those of you who don't know, I've spent 10 years in active military service. I've been in the Air Force for 10 years, deployed a few times, gone TDY, gone trips around the world, all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm currently moving into a reserve role, right? But the reason I bring that up is because that is a major aspect of when a service member returns home from deployment when they're married and they have kids and they have a household and a family that they're coming home to is we have to learn how to blend back in to the operations of the household. We have to come home and figure out, hey, how do I move back into your daily lives without completely hitting the brakes and causing a train wreck? Because when you left, the household continued to operate. The household continued to move forward. So for them, they learned how to get along without me. But now I come back, they have to learn how to involve me in their daily operations and their daily activities. That's a very, very difficult thing. That causes major stress for service members when they come home, the ones that have families. They have to learn how to reacclimate, not just to society, which was fairly difficult when I came home, and I didn't even see a combat role in my deployments. Society was still slightly difficult for me to come back and adapt to. But within my own house, I had to learn the do's and don'ts and how to operate in the household. That's just the roles that you have laid out. This mother, this, this mother is writing this article. Sounds like she's the overworked person. It sounds like, and I think she might get to this bullet point here in a little bit. It sounds like she's looking at the father as another child that she needs to care for. You know, and that like that just me again. You picked the wrong dude. He played you. He's a bad choice. But you don't get to change it now. That's the dad. That's the father of your children. So he needs to step up, he needs to find his monster, and he needs to get to work. So I agree with that aspect, right? Like, yo, you need to get to work if you're the one that this article is describing. Right? The fear factor. While you're gone, you envision everything from an army of first responders being dispatched to your doorstep to the kitchen floor carpeted in Doritos. Yeah. But, so, like, yes, that's a thing that mothers worry about when they leave home. Again... If your role is predominantly to be the one responsible for the children and then you are stepping away from that role and allowing somebody else in there, there's going to be a little bit of anxiety with that. But guess what? I have anxiety when I go to work all day and I leave my wife and my daughter at home or even my wife at home alone because I'm not there to protect them. So I, I'm not there to fulfill my role if somebody decides they want to come and break into the house, right? So the man has anxiety too when he's fulfilling his role in the appropriate way. I'm not the babysitter. I'm the father and the husband. I'm the protector and I'm the provider. Babysitters don't worry about that. The babysitter doesn't say, when I got my 20 bucks for a babysitting for two hours and then I go home, 
The babysitter does not then spend the next week worrying about the household and the Doritos and somebody breaking in. They don't care. They got the 20 bucks and they're out. They're temporary, right? Fathers are permanent, so don't call them babysitters. Men, don't let yourself be called a babysitter because it discredits you when you're working hard to be a father. Women, don't call us babysitters because one, it discredits us. I already said that part. But two, it also gives weak men an excuse. It gives them an out. You're just telling them, hey, I don't expect much from you. Right? So don't call them that because you're giving weak men an excuse. All right, number six, you lay down the law regarding TV, internet, and phone use because some people need reminding that watching a game or surfing the web for hours on end while the kids do good God knows what is not the best childcare method. Yeah, yeah, again. And that's an, that's an aspect that we talk about when it comes to parenting or just being a man within the household too. Being a father means being present, right? Physically, mentally, emotionally present. If I come home, I need to, when I pull in the driveway, if I had a rough day, if I have a boss that yelled at me or something along those lines, I need to leave that in the car. At a bare minimum, I need to leave it at the front door before I walk through. Because when I come in, I need to be fully present for my wife and my daughter in the way that they need me. I can't be bringing baggage from home, from work home. Vice versa too, you wanna kinda like, if you had a bad day at home, you don't wanna bring it to work because you need to focus on work so that you can provide for your family but it's more important to make sure you don't bring work baggage home. You know, a prime example of this is like, all right, so if me and my daughter are watching a movie, me and my, me and my daughter love to watch the Marvel series, right? So if we're watching Spider-Man and we're sitting on the couch, even if I have my arm around her while we watch the movie, if I'm scrolling on my phone while the movie's on, I'm not here. I'm not watching the movie with her, which means I'm not spiritually and emotionally there. I'm just physically there. A stuffed animal is physically there right? I'm, so I'm no better than that. I got to put the phone down, put the phone away, be there. If the game's on, you want to watch the game, get them involved in the game somehow. Or we all got TiVo, we all got YouTube, we all got some other streaming service that is going to show us the game later. Due to unfamiliarity with the house, you put things out where they can't be missed. A box of diapers on the kitchen counter seems like overkill, but if someone doesn't know where you keep fresh tubes of toothpaste, you should really leave such matters to chance. All right, so this is her point number seven. Again, Depends on the roles that you're trying to fulfill, right? There are a lot of things in my house where I don't know. If I need Tylenol or if I need Advil, if I have a headache, I have to ask my wife, like, hey, where's the Advil? Hey, where, where's the Excedrin? Where's, where's the medicine, right? I know where the medicine cabinet is, but I don't know, like, hey, is it on the shelf? Hey, do we only have one bottle left, right? My wife is the one who kind of keeps track of inventory in the house because, again, she is the manager of our family. That's the role she's filling right now, is the manager of the family, I'm like the salesperson. I'm the one that's going out, earning the money to be able to manage the place. That's our roles currently. She's the one managing the place, right? So if I want to know where something is in a store, if I go to the grocery store and I can't find a stock clerk, but I need to know where the eggs are, and I see the manager walking down the aisle, the manager should be able to answer my question. That's their role in that moment is to answer the question. So women... In the house, if your role is to be to take care of the house during the day, you are the manager. So yeah, you should know where things are better than me. So if I'm asking you questions, if I'm asking my wife questions, she's gonna give me the answer because, hey, I know where it is because I put it there. You don't know where it is because your role right now is not to manage every inventoried item within our household. All right, number eight, your kids will have a great time doing shit you never let them get away with. Goldfish and fruit snacks for dinner, playing dress up with mommy keep your 
with mommy's keep your grubby hands off new outfit. Okay. Going to bed two hours late on a school night. Yes, yes. And dudes, it's an effing school night. Yes. Okay. So this one again. All right. So here's the issue with this one. Number eight. She's talking about not having discipline in the house, right? Traditional roles, which, you know, I mean, like they're going to, they're going to vary, right? Traditional roles are kind of not out the window, but very few households actually fulfill them the way you would expect nowadays. Somebody has to be the disciplinarian. In our house, we have more of a traditional setting where I fill the masculine father roles and my wife fills the motherly roles for our daughter, right? So when it comes to discipline, that leans more towards my end of the responsibility, right? Now, that being said, my wife is not the person who's going to say, oh, wait till your father gets home. Because the idea of using the man in the house as a threat is equally detrimental as calling somebody a babysitter and just saying, oh, he's not really important. I'm just, I'm you know, point number one, right? I'm just going to have sex with him later to pay him for watching you today. Like that's the thought process here, right? That's not how a traditional house should operate. I'm not a threat for doing bad behavior. It's just, hey, if there is discipline to occur, it's more often going to be me setting the boundary than my wife setting the boundary. So again, point number eight for this lady in this article is coming down to she picked the wrong dude. She just got played and picked a weak dude. And yeah, there's a lot of them out there. And we're trying to trying to work through this, right? We're trying to talk about how can you be the strong dude? How can you be the monster under control? How can you be the strong masculine figure that families need nowadays? Because it's sorely, sorely lacking. You know, she got played. She found a weak one. He talked a big game. Maybe he had a big bench number or something. She met him in the gym. But then you get outside of that, and he's weak character. I, I feel sorry for you, but this article is not all dudes. Right? Now, I did proofread this in the, the leading up. She does kind of get to the end of it, and she does make a short point about that. But you know, the majority of the article is that calling dads babysitters is fine. It's not. All right, if they clean up and do some laundry, you do a happy dance. This is her point number nine. You didn't think this was in the job description, so woohoo, this is going above and beyond expectation. Laundry is my responsibility at home. You split up responsibilities to work as a team to make your operation work well. We're a well-oiled machine. You need to just set, hey, I do ABC, you do DEF, right? Like, here's the list of things to do. Split them up. Let's get them accomplished. What things are you strong at? What things are am I strong at? And let's figure out how to make this thing operate effectively so that we can get along. And once you start doing that, all those other stressors that make you actually butt heads all the time, they start going away because you're taking all that low-hanging fruit off. You know what I mean? Like, just have a plan. Set a boundary and say, hey, these are the rules in this house. Somehow, even when things go not exactly as you had liked, everything is fine when you get home. She doesn't really explain anything on that last point. I'm not going to respond to that last one. I don't really understand that last one. All right, so she closes the article by saying, if you are one of those women whose husbands totally kill it and taking an equal, if not greater, share of the housework childcare load, then shut the front door and we know we en and know we envy you. Make your hubs give daddy lessons to the rest of our dudes who dance between being an extra child and a full-fledged partner. See what I mean? She said it right there, being an extra child. So 
if she's experiencing the things that she wrote about in this article, that sucks. She has a weak dude at home. She has a weak character person. She got played, and she's looking at him as a child now. She's just looking at him as another responsibility that she has. That sucks, right? Like He's a weak person. He needs to get his game together. He needs to step up. He needs to find his monster. He needs to start working. But that's not everybody. This article shouldn't exist. Like, my whole point here, I found the article to counter my original point, which is don't call us babysitters because it diminishes what we do and it gives weak guys an excuse, right? Like, hold us to a standard so that we can feel proud and so that you can feel proud that we're along working just as hard to make sure our kids are successful. So that's the counter to my point. That's the, that's the antithesis. So now let's look at an article that agrees with me, and let's see what they say. All right, so this one is from Crossroads.net, which is actually a church, I guess, somewhere. Um, they wrote an article that said, Dads, don't babysit. I agree with the headline. Let's see if I agree with the article. All right, so he starts off with the story. Once upon a time, I was a babysitter. One summer when I was 10 from 8 to noon, on Saturdays, I watched our neighbor's kids. There were two of them, and they always slept in. So by watching the neighbor's kids, I really mean I was playing Nintendo 64 in someone else's living room. Then we eat breakfast, play more Nintendo, then eat lunch. And then when the mom gave home, she'd give me 20 bucks, and I would leave. All right. His point is babysitters get paid. You know how many times my son's mom, a.k.a. my wife, has paid me for a couple hours of hanging our son? Nada. Never. On the flip side, I also don't cut my wife a paycheck for the 40 plus hours a week she's flying solo while I'm at the office. So she is not a babysitter. And if she's not a babysitter, I'm not a babysitter. That's my point. Those are the roles that they're fulfilling in their tradition, in their household, right? She's the manager of the house. She's operating at the house every night. All right. So he goes on to say, parenting isn't a side job. It's the job. And dads, I believe we've got the world's best job, no matter what it is we do for money. But it goes way beyond the do we get paid question. So I agree. One of the most rewarding things that I have is every time I go out and watch my daughter do something that she makes an achievement and she overcomes some obstacle or something along those lines. Those are always the biggest, most rewarding moments that I have in my life, right? So I totally understand that point. There's a mentality in our culture around fatherhood that tells us some version of this. Men are bumbling idiots who lack the emotional intelligence, emotional intelligence, attention span, and tenderness to be good parents. For the most part, men tend to ruin kids, so parenting is best left up to women. This mentality grew out of a lot of pain. Sadly, some of us had dads who were distant, abusive, and just exhausted. So that's totally true. And not only is it true that, hey, we had a lot of dads who were just not involved. We had dads who were abusive. I know mine personally, right? I, you know, comes out later in life that my dad was a very abusive person, uh, both physically and mentally within my household. Um, so when I was an adult, I learned this. And because of that, I had a big restructuring of what manhood was, what it meant to be a man, what it meant to be the father in a household. I, I really had to tear all of it down and kind of rebuild that from the ground up with very little example in front of me because the only example I had for the first 25 years ended up being the worst possible example of a father that one could have, right? So I understand what he's saying here. Like, hey, there's a lot of discount. There's a lot of bad examples that we grew up with, right? Now let's go on to the next point where he's talking about the mentality of the culture around fatherhood. So there's a movie called The Change-Up, right? And The Change-Up has Ryan Reynolds and and uh, one of the other dudes. I don't remember the other dude's name. Anyway, in The Change-Up, they're talking, they switch roles and the guy's learning how to be a father. And he goes to ask a question and the guy stops him and he goes, you don't guess the answer. You call and ask a question because you're a brain-dead mule, 
repeat it. You're a brain dead mule. Say it to me. You're a brain dead mule. And so he recites it, right? So that's like the humorous, like, hey, fathers are always bumbling idiots. They don't know what to go get at the grocery store, right? And that is a perception. But remember, when you think about what traditional roles are, and a lot of times in movies, when you see that like happy family type movie where they're struggling with some with some one little aspect of it, the, the traditional role fits where you have a father and a mother in a household with children. The father is normally the breadwinner in movies like that. And the example of the change of the father was the, the major breadwinner. The wife was also working, also being the mother, but the father was the, the major breadwinner. He was going for like VP of a company. So in that situation, the mother, the wife, was the manager of the household. She was the manager of the corporation of that family, right? So in my house, my wife is managing the McDonough Corporation. Her responsibility is to manage all the operations of the building, all the operations of the family, keep inventory of all the items we have in here, and you know, be that one that 40 plus hours a week has full control over the operation of this family, right? So when it comes to guys being bumbling idiots. Part of it is we had terrible examples. I agree with that. I'm one of the people who had a terrible example and had to build it up from scratch. Then you also have the movie aspect, the Hollywood aspect, which is just a disaster in the first place, right? And then you have the idea where, there, hey, there's a little bit of truth in the fact because the woman in traditional households is going to be managing the household. All right, back to the article. Remember, this is the article that's agreeing with me now. So, and even in so-called good families, ones that go to church and post neat family pics on Instagram, there's still an understanding that men ought to keep their distance from their kids. The man's role is to be the provider and the disciplinarian or something like that. So that's one of those weird things about when you go to church. And I don't want to make this a, a, a long religious article, right? Because I, I kind of covered religion very in-depth on our first podcast, and we're in a podcast three right now. So I don't want to come back to it as that quickly. But in church, you do have this weird separation where the men are supposed to be able to uh, congregate and plan and coordinate and operate. Um, and they're the ones who go when it comes to like church picnic time, they're the ones who are playing football and, you know, playing all the sports and having all the, the, the activity fun. And the wives are the ones who are responsible for the children's activities. Right. And that role scenario has always been a, uh, uh, a turnoff for my family because while I'm a sport fanatic, I love sports, and you say, hey, let's go play football, I'm going to go play football with you. You say, hey, let's go play basketball, I'm going to go play basketball with you, that's fine. But then you turn to my wife, and my wife was a semi-professional soccer player when she was first coming out of high school, right? So do you think if the dudes are playing soccer that she would like to play along? Absolutely, because she's probably better than 95% of the dudes that are going to be on that soccer field right? So when you think about those traditional roles within the church, yeah, that is a thing that happens. Like, hey, the men are supposed to be this and kind of like do your thing. And then the women are the ones who will take care of the kids. Because is that that servant attitude that, that comes out of the Bible? And that part kind of sucks. You know, that, that part, I, I, I understand the role a, a little bit, but in, in the way we're moving forward, it's much less important for that to be prevalent, you know? So that's that's been a turnoff for our family and that's why it's it's actually been difficult for us to find a church that we can fit into and and just and uh you know kind of flourish in because one way or another there's always something that's kind of like ah you know i'm sorry this is like a deal breaker right like we're just not fully comfortable in this so i do agree with that point all right the only problem is when we think about 
our only job is to earn as much as possible and carry a big stick, we're acting as if the day-to-day mundane parts of parenting are someone else's gig, right? So you're leaving 50% of your job on the table if you only think of yourself as provider and disciplinarian, right? Now, I use those examples earlier as two of the major roles that I fulfill, but I'm also there for soccer games. I'm also there for dance practices, right? Like if, if and my wife predominantly takes my daughter to dance during the week, However, if I have the chance to get out of work early or something like that, we have a day of the week where there's a three-hour dance class, and, uh, hey, do you want me to swing by? We'll high-five. You can go home, and I'll take the rest of the dance night. Or I'll go home, and I'll be the one that prepares dinner and does things like that so that we can kind of have the house operating, right? So you still have multiple roles. You can't leave 50% of your job on the table. So then he goes on to say, I think there's a third way, a better way to be a dad. You don't have to check your man card at the door to your own home. You also don't have to accept the lie that you're just going to screw up if, <laughs> that you're just going to screw up your kid if you spend time with them. There is a way to be a strong, fun and safe dad. You may or may not be into the whole Jesus thing, but there's an interesting Bible verse that can give us a few pointers. And then he goes into a verse where he talks about like you have guardians and fathers, right? And if you have 10,000 guardians, you have very few fathers within that uh, within that group. All right. So he's got a few points that he wants to bring up here, kind of like the the top 10 list from the last article. But here are some ways to be more like a dad and less like a babysitter. All right, the first one, I already disagree with him. A babysitter says what you can or can't do. A dad tells you who you are. So right off the bat, semantics, wordplay, words matter. Words matter is something that I'm, I'm constantly saying to my daughter, to martial arts classes that I teach, or to when I'm teaching, uh, uh, you know, instructor supervisors, when I'm doing my time over in the Air Force, right? Words, Matt, the words that you say, you have to be very conscientious about what you are saying, how you are using that language. Babysitter says what you can or can't do. A dad tells you who you are. Dads don't tell you who you are. That's not the role of a father. My role as father to my daughter is not to tell her who she is and who she's going to be. It is to help her learn who she is and who she wants to be. Dads don't tell you who you are. That's not the role of a father. My role as father to my daughter is not to tell her who she is and who she's going to be. It is to help her learn who she is and who she wants to be. I give her the tools along the way, right? We have certain things between me and my daughter. We have mantras, right? And I I, I say, be a what every morning before she goes to school and she has to say, be a leader. And she understands that leader means servant leadership. It means she has to take care of people. It means she has to ask questions. It means she has to help others. It means she has to stand up for weak people. It means she has to be vocal when she sees something wrong, whether it be vocal to a kid, vocal to a peer or a very close friend, or vocal, respectfully, to a grown-up to get a problem solved. Those things will help her figure out who she wants to be in the future. Right now, she wants to be a doctor. She's eight. We'll see what happens. But I'm not telling her that. I'm showing her how to figure out what she wants to be. My wife plays the same role. She has the same responsibility in that building of the child. She has to show her how to figure out who she wants to be. She's not telling her who she's going to be. Now, we kind of try that with activities a little bit, I guess, because when, when my daughter was first getting into activities, so for me, I'm a lifelong martial artist. My wife has been a lifelong martial artist, and my wife is also, as I said earlier, a semi-pro soccer player. So the first two activities that we put my daughter in was karate and soccer. Karate was okay. My daughter has a little bit of an aggressive streak once she kind of gets the flow of things, but it wasn't something 
that she wanted to come home and practice every day. So it wasn't something that was going to stick into her like it did me. So I couldn't tell her to be a martial artist. It just wasn't natural for her to want to come home and be excited about practicing kicks. Martial arts is one of those things where it's difficult to get somebody to practice when you're not in class. That's why there's very few people who are so good at the sport because of the fact that, hey, standing in front of a mirror and practicing one kick 10,000 times is not exciting. Soccer, coordination, speed, those kind of things. My, my daughter got tall before... She got tall really fast, right? So she's still kind of learning her body. She's still learning how to kind of move, right? And she was coming into soccer in organizations where they were already traveling. She started soccer later. So her age group is already predominantly travel teams or high skill teams. So to learn the sport is difficult at that age. So that was kind of a dead end, right? And that was my attempt, my wife's attempt. My daughter's running around the house dancing all the time. So, okay, let's do dance class then. And she's a natural. And then this weekend, we're going to watch her in her first show, right? She's super excited. She's doing twirls around the house. She's doing headstands. She's taking hip hop. She's doing all sorts of stuff. She found a thing that she likes that she will come home and practice. So she will get good at that faster than she would get good at soccer or martial arts because she's putting extra hours in practicing just by accident. Because dancing is fun. People love dancing. People dance for no reason. People dance down the grocery store aisle. I dance in between... <laughs> reps in the gym, right? Like, it's just a natural thing that people enjoy. So it's an easy thing to get a kid to practice. We didn't tell her who she is. We're guiding her. We're letting her choose, right? So that's that point. A babysitter fills time. A dad makes time count. That's why I said earlier, like, physically, emotionally, spiritually, you got to be there. If we're watching a movie and I'm scrolling my phone, I am not emotionally there. I'm just a teddy bear. I might as well be the stuffed animal that's in a room. There's no difference at that point. Babysitter has fun in the moment. A dad has a long-term vision. I don't have an intentional vision in the moment, but I know that those little moments will build up to the ultimate vision of her being a successful, capable, competent adult. That's what that's what I'm getting out of what he's saying here, and that's the point. Babysitters are just here to make that money, make sure the kid doesn't die, and then move on. You are here for the lifelong. You are here for the long haul. Be involved. Be there in every aspect of being there. A babysitter makes shit makes a babysitter makes sure kids survives, a dad makes sure they thrive. That's the same point, right? Babysitter says, "Hey, they survived, they're still alive. Can I get my 20 bucks? I got to go." Dad, you're there for the long haul. You got to make sure the kid's successful. You got to sit down and do the homework with them. You got to do all that other kind of stuff. Last one, a babysitter always leaves, dad always returns. A real father knows that not only do they have a responsibility, but they want that responsibility. Right, like that first article, weak dude, weak man. He hasn't figured out how to be a grown-up. He hasn't figured out how to be a, a man, how to wake his monster yet. He just had kids too early. So I thought those were two good articles to kind of organize my thoughts on this topic in the first place of w why calling a dad a babysitter or saying dad's babysitting is a bad thing. Right, it's just it's not a thing that we should be. It's not a term we should be using. It's not a thing. It's never going to be a thing. Don't make it a thing. All right. Again, moms, if you're listening, if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, you are either diminishing our efforts or giving weak men an excuse to continue to be weak by referring to it as babysitting. Don't allow the excuse and don't diminish the effort. Either way, you're going to benefit because you're going to have a stronger partner. Your kids are going to benefit because they're going to have a stronger father. 
So let's kick this term to the curb. One of the things I wanted to bring up is that another reason that this is so prevalent to think of a father as a babysitter is because right now in America, only 18% of households are considered a nuclear family household. And a nuclear family household is considered the father, the mother, and the children all living under one roof. So that means you got 82% of the population living in some sort of fractured household. Or you have kids that are living in multiple households. Think about how difficult it is to kind of raise... If you are a nuclear family, and you know how difficult it is to raise kids correctly in this, fam in this world, this way, the right way, think about how difficult it would be if you could not work together on a daily basis to make it happen. So you need to be able to work together. You need to be able to, to continue to find the strength in your partner's actions. Parenting's hard. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. The reason it is the most rewarding thing that you will do in life is because it is the most difficult thing you will do in life. Everything that is worth having in your life is on the far side of hard work. I stole it from Tim Kennedy. I don't know if he stole it from somebody else, but I'm at least going to give him credit because that's where I heard it from. Everything that is worth having in life is on the far side of hard work. Parenting is no different. Having children that turn into adults that you can be proud of, that you want to brag about on a daily basis, that society would be willing to brag about on a daily basis, is on the far side of your hard work as a parent. Not as a babysitter, as a parent. The one thing I can say that has been key to my own household, being able to stay as a nuclear family through the obstacles that we've dealt with, through the hardships that have come, whether it be financial or family hardships, has been the fact that trust is the one thing that stays consistent at all times. I can honestly say that there is not a single person in the world that has earned more trust from me than my wife. To me, that's what love really is in the first place, but that's a whole nother podcast that I'm going to get into later that I have a whole plan for. But the trust that I have in my partner, not only to be with me, to have faith in me, but to raise our child with the same game plan, with the same objective, with the same intention moving forward is something that we've been able to lean on very heavily while we raise her. So if you're out there and you haven't started the family yet and you want to avoid the term or the role of babysitter being something that you can apply in your relationship, make sure you got a strong foundation of trust before you even start this journey. So that's the one tip I'm going to leave you with. I appreciate y'all coming by. Appreciate you listening. If you're here this long, if you like what you heard, leave a comment. Give us a rating on one of the podcast platforms. If you're watching this on YouTube, like, comment, share, and subscribe. We appreciate it. I hope you all have a great day. Go wake your monster. Peace.